Open your Bibles, if you will, please, for a moment. Thank you, Christina. That encouraged my heart. And Brother Anthony, can we just get one air unit on? Just one. Get a little circulation going there. One air unit. And uh, one prayer request. Please be in prayer for... um, Okay, thank you. For Chaplain Lee Shaw's family. He was our... uh, uh, emergency chaplain for the police force and the fire department and uh, a buddy of mine and we did several funerals together and off times there'd be an emergency and I'd show up he'd be right there he'd beat me there or I'd beat him on a few occasions a good man so I don't know the funeral plans yet but uh, a good man went to heaven from Napa and uh, just pray for his family and uh uh, let's pray that maybe God will put someone in that spot. No one will take his place, but someone could be in that spot to help. And uh, I just want to say that publicly. Let's look down. We're in Psalm chapter number 73. I'll read out loud if uh, you want to look at it uh, there. If, you're a, uh, uh, if you have a cell phone, uh, would you maybe, uh, uh, if you could, put that on mute so there's no uh, rings and distractions in the service. If you're a teenager, please put it up, take it out of your hands and put it in a safe place. And that'll, that'll encourage all of us. So Psalm chapter 73, look down. And if you'll see at the top, it says a Psalm of Asaph. So on some of the chapters in the book of Psalms, you know, we assume David wrote the book of Psalms. He did not write all of them. On rare occasions, Moses wrote one or two. Uh, A guy named Heman wrote some. But this guy Asaph writes this one. So look what it says, chapter 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Verse 2, notice how quick it gets negative. But, verse 1, God is good. Verse 2, but... Is that your life story right there? Man, God is good. Verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there were no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, Neither are they plagued like other men. Verse 7. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Verse 10. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. Verse 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. And wash my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. You ever felt like that guy? (laughs) Brother, he is whining. Now, I would never say those things. But I would sign my name at the bottom of the page at some times. I'm going to speak on this subject today, the sin that's never preached on. And I'll just, by looking at the crowd, I've already looked at the crowd, everyone in this room, myself included, 
has committed this sin. You say, Pastor, you're judging us. Yep. Yep. Here's the title of the message. Delivered from discouragement or the conniption of comparing or the cure for discontentment in December. And I'll give you $20 if you've got memorized all of those three titles there. I want to give you one more verse. I'll read it. You need not turn to it. In the book of Corinthians, it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So I could call it the sin of comparing. The sin of comparing. What's it cause? When you compare yourself to other people, you either get proud because of how great you are. You know that hymn that was written about you, How Great Thou Art? (laughs) You get very proud or you get very discouraged. That's why God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Let's pray and I'm going to jump right in the message. Here we go. Lord, thank you for what we've heard, what we felt already. Bless now the reading of thy word. Help us see what Asaph was getting at. What's the answer for this temptation all of us have at times in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Nothing will get you more discouraged as quick as comparing. Sometimes people who get married compare mates. Heard about a man and his son. They were from a third world country. They were visiting a mall for the very first time and never seen an elevator. They're sitting on the bench and they see these two silver doors open up. A family walks in, it closes, it opens and they disappeared. And all of a sudden they're watching this and about that time a little old lady walked in and the doors closed and they opened and out walked a beautiful young blonde. The dad looked at his son and said, go get your mother quick. It's the sin of comparing. Sometimes we compare mates. How come you can't be like Miss So-and-so's husband? How come you can't always cook 21 meals a week? And I know every lady cooks 21 meals a week for their family. But 21 meals a week, like like she does. And and there's comparing. We compare appearance, our looks. He's stronger than me. He's taller than me. Uh, She's more beautiful than me. And and look at her hair. Her her hair is always perfect. And mine's never perfect. We compare our kids. Ours are angels, theirs are demons. We compare our houses, look how beautiful. Look where they live and look where we live. We compare cars. Ours kind of, you know, ours is a giving car. It gives oil all over the church parking lot every time you're here. We know you've been here. Others, it's a brand new car every time. And, and I'm not against those things. That's wonderful. We compare possessions. They have more than we have. Sometimes we compare education. Man, I got so many degrees, I'm running a temperature right now. I mean, uh, we've got, uh, 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 we've been to all these schools and nothing is wrong and education is great, but I'm saying, never compare. Maybe they never had the opportunity. Uh, Maybe their family wasn't into that. Maybe their parents died early and they had to go straight to work. You never know people's situations. It's a sin to compare. We compare sometimes recognition. They got recognized. I didn't. 
They got the promotion at work and the title, and I didn't. Sometimes it's, it's talent. They're so talented. They can sing. They can play an instrument. They can dance. They can juggle. They can do it. They can publicly speak. And I don't have any of those talents. Financial situations. We compare all these things. The word meek in the Bible means level. It means no one is better than you and no one is less than you. Esteem comes because God loves us enough to create us and die for us and give us his word. We're made in his image. That's what makes us somebody. No piece of dust can rail on another piece of dust that they're better than them. I remember my dad years ago, he's been in heaven for six years. And when, when I was a boy, we would go to Uncle Earl's house. My mother had uh, a sister that was an educator. And then she had two brothers that were professors at Southeastern University. They had earned doctor's degrees. That was on my mother's side. On my dad's side, let me see, prison, criminal. Uh, uh, anyway, it was a little bit different. I don't think my dad finished high school. They stopped halfway through his senior year picking cotton, picking crops. They were in Mississippi. And I don't think he ever finished and got a good education. My dad couldn't spell real well. My dad was in sales. He never had a degree from a university. He was not a, 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 what you'd call a real educated man. Didn't want to give public speeches because his English wouldn't be quite right. But we would go to my Uncle Earl's house for Thanksgiving. They'd have the great big turkey. They'd have all these types of foods. We never had that. We usually had one thing. It'd be black-eyed peas. Well, two things. Black-eyed peas on cornbread. Or we'd have cornbread crumbled in a glass of buttermilk. Or we'd maybe have a hamburger. Or maybe we'd have pancakes. We had never seen the five or six things like that. And so we came to Uncle Earl's house, brand new house he built. I remember my dad on the way home would say, they're just showing off. <laughs> I don't like those guys. They just think they're better than us. And they never acted like that, but that's how he felt. Why? He compared. He compared. I remember that. When I first moved here, I remember going into some of what I would call the richer neighborhoods. When it's a three, four, five-story house, and they've got a butler answering the door, you know, that's, that's probably upper class. I remember knocking on those doors saying, I am a nobody. Look at all they have. And then a little song came into my heart. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop and that bright land where we'll never grow old. Folks, if you're a child of God, you're rich already. You just hadn't seen it all yet. But you're laying it up. And it's there waiting on you. You start comparing. You compare to people who have it worse than you. You feel pretty good. I think of my pastor friends. I got a pastor friend. Lost his wife. Lost his daughter. Lost his son. Excuse me. Lost his son. Lost his parents. They've all passed away. One. Lost a leg to cancer. One has recently lost his eyesight. One, two months ago, had his vocal cords removed. 
he'll never speak again. One, lost his son in a car wreck. One, his son has cerebral palsy. One, he went through a hurricane in Gulfport, Mississippi. 40% of their members didn't have a house. One, his house caught on fire. They lost everything. I think of Jerome Serrano right now in the hospital. Lives in Texas, used to be one of our faithful men. He was in that explosion at the chemical plant three weeks ago. Burned 80% of his body. May never have use of his fingers again. Last night I called. They were going to hold the phone up to him. They said, we don't think he'll hear you because his head is covered so much in gauze. 80%, so he's just been laying there. He can communicate some. All I know is I got it pretty good. I got it pretty good. But you say, well, pastor, it just doesn't seem fair. I kind of feel like this guy Asaph. It seems like they have it so easy. And I have it so hard. They get so much. And I get so little. This Bible character Asaph. What's he saying in this chapter here? It's kind of like, what do you do when the bad guys are winning? What do you do when the other team's cheating? What do you do when the refs are missing all the calls? That's how Asaph is feeling. He's saying, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything I can. I just can't get ahead. It doesn't pay to do right. It doesn't pay to be honest. It doesn't pay to be pure. It doesn't pay to live for God. That's what Asaph's saying. You ever felt like that? You're eating bologna and your atheist neighbor's eating T-bone steak every night? You finally got clean, got off of drugs and addictions. You can't get a raise. The neighbor's taking every drug there, that there is and, and they're getting promoted. Somehow the world convinces us that they're having more fun. And I want to say to the young people right now who can't wait to leave home and can't wait to have no rules and no one telling you what to do. Here's this guy. Man, I'm, I can't wait till I leave home and I'm going to join the Marines so no one will tell me what to do again. <laughs> or this guy, I can't wait till I get married. Well, you got a wife now. There's always going to be someone tell you what to do. I go to church, I tithe, I do right, and bad things happen to me. They live wickedly and good things happen to them. It just kind of seems like that sometimes, doesn't it? We went to church and got in a car wreck on the way home. They skipped church and someone gave them a new car. I want to say this. You only see things as they appear. Simon Peter asked Jesus. He said, Lord, we've left our lands and our houses and our parents and our, and our families to, to serve you. In other words, implying, what do we get? And Jesus said, if you've left anything or forsaken anything for me, you'll receive a hundredfold in the life to come, an eternal life. God always rewards my wife and I, old story, I'll tell it quickly. Years ago, 
she said, she said, I've always wanted to go to a motorhome show. I said, you mean go to a show that has motors? She said, no, they have these motor homes. It looks like big long buses and people live in them. And, you know, the, you know, the bands tour in them and they've turned them into houses. I said, okay, if we ever see one, we'll stop. Well, they had one here in Napa years ago. And she goes, there it is. I said, oh, okay, okay, we'll stop. I was so enthusiastic. And so we pulled in and we got out. As soon as we got out of the car, you know, the people are looking, a customer. So they walk over with a tray, cheeses, then wine, champagne, then sparkling apple juice. We took the juice. And so they walked, oh, why are you here? Well, we'd like to see what you have on the lot. Oh, they started taking us on tours. Satellite dishes and jacuzzis inside these uh, motorhomes and, and the suites and, and this and that. I said, well, how much is this one? $250,000. Okay, you have any other ones? Man, we went through them. But, I mean, we're oohing and on. We are being treated like kings. We finished touring these, these vehicles and, and the fellow took out his little pad. He says, all right, have you found one you like? Oh, yeah, we really like this one. He said, so how much would you like to put down? I said, we have 50. He said, all right, $50,000. I said, no, sir. I said, 50. He didn't get it. You know, sometimes rich people and smart people, you know, they're not real smart. What do you mean, sir? I said, we have $50 to our name. I may be exaggerating, but I think he took the drinks out of our hands, put them back on the drink, and just walked off. Sometimes it feels kind of cool to be rich and well-treated. But I'll be treated real good up there. Years ago, we had a couple in our church. He's moved to heaven and she's moved out of town. Real good couple named the Zablowskis. And once a year, Dennis and his uh, wife Sandy would take us to a fancy restaurant for his, uh, uh, her birthday, my wife's birthday, or our anniversary. It was always around Christmas. And we would, we would eat at fancy restaurants when the kids were young, like Jacques in the Box, <laughs> McDonald's. I still, still remember eating at Wendy's, and we had the five kids at that time. And we would always walk up and point to the dollar menu and say, you can have one thing. Parents, I hope you're writing this down. Some of you spoil your kids too much. You can have one thing off the dollar menu. Okay. And then we would get one drink. This may have been cheating. Refillable. All the refills you want. They didn't say we couldn't all drink out of it. And so we all shared the same drink. Our daughter Faith, being the, the, the health nut, she said, can I have my own straw? She just wants so much. So, so Dennis said, we're going to go to the Silverado Country Club. They have a restaurant there. I said, Dennis, I've never been there. He said, well, you'll like, they've got uh, filet mignon. They've got uh, uh, crab. You know, they've, got, they've, got, they've got everything. He said, I'll take care of it. I said, wow. Well, I was out visiting that day, knocking on doors. And I met a guy and uh, lived not far from here. I said, where do you work? He said, I work at the Silverado Country Club. I said, Really? I said, what do you do? He said, I'm the head chef. I said, no way. I'm supposed to be going to eat there later this week. He said, well, I'll look for you. And I'll just pick his name out. I'll, I'll say Sam. And so 
we're walking into this Silverado Country Club. It's decked out for Christmas. You know, I know nobody in these restaurants. I know nobody like this. Dennis, hey, 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 hey good to see you. He's, he's tipping the, uh, you know, the guy parking the car, tipping the guy, just saying hello, tipping the, I, I mean, you know, he knows everybody. So we start to walk in and I look up and Dennis says hi to Sam. And I said, and Sam looks at me and says, hey, Pastor Ray, welcome to the restaurant. And Dennis said, how do you know him? I said, well, it's, we go way back. <laughs> but for a moment, I felt like, hey, I was on the same level. So what do you do about this, Pastor? What's the cure? Do we have to live our whole life thinking it really doesn't pay to serve Jesus? We're missing out on something. It's going to rain on us, sunshine on them. Is this how God treats his kids? What's the answer? Do we have to look at God like you're not real fair? They're winning. Well, notice, notice in the passage here, I think we're out of time. I mean, we're going to be done early. And look at that. Yep, here we are. Look down, if you will, please. So he says, they have everything they want. They don't have trouble. Their cup is half full. Ours is, uh, I mean, full. Ours is half. They're prospering. We're failing. They're, uh, we're being chastened. They're not being chastened. This is too painful for me. Verse 17. Until. Here's the answer. Asaph says, it was too painful for me. Until. Until what, Asaph? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. He said, until I went to church. Then he says, then understood I their end. Asaph says, now I am reminded how it's all going to end. He said, for me, whether I die a slow death or a quick death, I'm going to wake up in heaven. I'm going to walk the streets of gold. I'm going to see my Savior. I'm going to see loved ones. That's how it ends for me. But for the unsaved, it's going to be eternal fire and torment. And Asaph says, I've been envying them. I've been envious of them. Look how it ends for them. He says, until I went to the sanctuary or until I went to church. Verse 18, surely you've set them in slippery places, cast them down to destruction. Verse 19, desolation consumed with terrors. He says, they don't have it as good as I thought. Those, those smiles sometimes are fake. And that laughter has to be jump-started by alcohol or drugs. You know, I can laugh without alcohol or drugs. Sometimes my wife tells me I laugh at the wrong time. <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes even when they're not funny. You know, it's sad when someone buys a joke book for the pastor and says, here, this is for Christmas. <laughs> Until they heard what? What did he hear at the house of God? He heard this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What did you hear, Asaph? For the wages of sin is death. Hey, good news. But the gift of God's eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. What did you hear at church, Asaph? Uh, but God commendeth this love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what he heard. He heard, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He heard this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, in my father's house are many uh, mansions. And uh, uh, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. What did he hear? But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he hear in church? Uh, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. What did he hear in the house of God? The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. What did he hear when he came to the house of God? He heard this. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. You know, I think after he started hearing some things in the house of God, Asaph says, hey, they're not winning. That's temporal prosperity. God has something better for me. I can make it through this. What did he hear? But thanks be to God that giveth us the victory. What did he hear in church? No good thing will he withhold from him that walketh uprightly. What did he hear in church? The battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. What did he hear in church? The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's what he heard. So what's the most important thing a Christian can do? Here it is. Get to church. Why? Because you're going to hear something that changes your thinking, something positive, something encouraging, and you're going to see the rest of the story. You're going to read the last chapter. A little boy was reading years ago, and he was reading some Western, but any Western stars here? I mean, not stars, but Western <laughs> readers. One, two. Well, I guess we're going to burn all those books after church. Sorry. Okay, good. And he's reading this book, and his mom said, Son, it's time for supper. He said, Mom, I can't yet. I can't come yet. I meant the good part in this this book. She said, Get over here to the table to supper. But, Mom, I can't. The villain has just tied the beautiful girl to the railroad tracks, and the train is coming. It's coming. And the, and the hero's on the horse. He's trying to reach her in time. Son, put the book down. Get over here. A few moments later, he walked to the table, sat down. And she said, well, good. What finally made you obey me and come to the table? He said, well, I hate to tell you, Mom. I skipped to the last chapter. And I read real quick where the hero rescued the girl off the tracks and got the villain. Uh, folks, let me just encourage you. We've got a lot of problems in our country. We've got our own personal problems. We've got all kind of stuff going on. I skipped to the last chapter over here in Revelation 22. It says Jesus comes back. He brings down the heavenly city to the earth. We take over. We rule and reign forever and ever. And Jesus runs the universe and it's perfect and there's no sin and no sorrow and no pain and no old age and no goodbyes and no addictions. Forever. That's how it ends. I'll confess one sin to you and I'm done. I said, Pastor, is that all you have? Well, that's all I'm confessing right now. 
I've gotten to the point now, I may not, I may not always watch a full football game. I've got, you know, my New Orleans Saints are probably getting beat right now. They're playing Detroit, they're 10 and 3, but the Saints are good losers. We have trained them well in Louisiana to love second place and love the little trophy for, for, for participation. None of our saints ever wanted a Super Bowl ring anyway. I pull for the... Man, I hate to even say it publicly. Sometimes I pull for the Raiders. Because I know many of you love the Raiders. I mean, I pull for your team. I'm now a Brock Purdy fan. I like it. By the way, I wrote him a letter and asked him to come and give his testimony in our church. He hadn't written back, but I did try. I mean, I did try. Maybe he can't read. I don't know. So... uh, But I've got beyond having to sit down, watch every commercial, watch four quarters. You probably have the type TV where you can hit the button and watch it fast play. It skips skips all the timeouts and all that. It's just about 30 minutes, it's the whole game. Man, I shouldn't even tell you this. So if I'm pulling for a team, usually I'll check the score now. I've just started doing this. And if the team I'm pulling for won, I'll watch the game. <laughs> Boy, that's dumb, isn't it? I don't like to be all nerved. Ah, you stupid. Kill him. And the team is intercepted. Ah, no big deal. Nothing gets me nerved up. Already know the score. It doesn't matter who fumbles who messes up, who drops a pack. It doesn't matter. I already checked the score. I know my team won. It sure helped everyone in this room if you check to see which team won. It helped you be a little bit calmer right now. Some of you are watching the news. What's going on in Israel? And, and I, I, mean, I mean, you're pulling your hair out and you're nervous and you're on anti-something pills. Check the score, folks. Jesus wins, the devil loses. The devil will be in hell one day. Jesus will be sitting on the throne one day and we'll be gathered around the throne cheering him on and high-fiving each other. And it'll be pretty soon. So Asaph, I'm glad you went to church. I hope you heard what you needed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I don't know how you make it. I don't know how you live in this world wondering where you're going, wondering about eternity. Won't you settle that today? If you're here today, you've been saved but never been baptized since you've been saved. You could do that today. Whatever you're going to do for Jesus, you better get busy doing it. We don't have a whole lot of time left. And if there's something between you and the Lord, maybe it's a little attitude. Well, how come you hadn't done this for me? How come you hadn't given this? You, you, and there's... Somehow you think he's a little unfair. You need to get that right today. It'll help you. It just will.